0: Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order and retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein.
1: Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. I'm Amy Epstein, and I have an MBA in marketing and 20 years of marketing communications experience. I co-founded People in Practice with my dad just about 10 years ago.
2: And I am Leon Klempner, Amy's dad, a retired, proud, board-certified orthodontist and co-founder of People in Practice and currently teaching at Harvard part-time.
1: Today, we're excited to have Dr. Chris Riolo join us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. Dr. Riolo earned his DDS from the University of Michigan and his specialty certificate and MS in orthodontics at the University of Detroit Mercy. He then returned to the University of Michigan, where he completed a PhD in epidemiology from the School of Public Health. Dr. Riolo currently has academic appointments at the University of Detroit Mercy and the University of Washington Dental Schools. He maintains a completely digital private practice consisting almost entirely of adult patients, emphasizing the use of lingual appliances and in-house clear aligners. Dr. Riolo publishes and lectures on topics related to lingual orthodontics, 3D printing, and orthodontic digital workflow, which makes him an excellent guest for our podcast. So Dr. Riolo, we're very grateful for your time today. Thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So specifically, we'd like to learn more about your journey um, you know toward going to a completely digital practice we know you have a super successful practice in the Seattle area and how you got to the point you're at now I think would be of of real interest to a lot of our
0: listeners yeah I kind of I kind of fell into it I, I practiced for 15 years in Ann Arbor Michigan and there I had um, I had just sort of experimented with lingual orthodontics it was maybe four or five percent of my practice uh, I did enjoy it but you know, I had a typical orthodontic practice, which was 80% kids and 20% adults, and, you know, they weren't really adults by my standards currently. They were young moms of many of my patients, so they were late 20s, early 30s, Um, and then I moved to Seattle for a whole bunch of reasons. My my wife and I decided to pick up, and we sold the practice. She quit her, uh, her, faculty position and we moved to Seattle and I decided to open up downtown I figured I'd see more adult patients and that's what I I wanted more adult patients I didn't realize that I would get like 98 percent of my patients would be adults and so um, things changed rapidly Uh, at the lingual my use of lingual appliances uh, grew to about 40 percent of the practice and um, after integration of in-house aligners, it grew to over 75% of my practice.
1: So let's talk about, uh, just for a second, the shift toward adult patients. So you had you know people like me, a little younger than me, let's be honest, um, uh, coming to your practice, parents, uh, mothers of young children, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so t- talk to me about fr- from that point, what you identified as them making good patients for your practice into having almost a completely adult practice, because that's a big shift.
0: Well, I, I don't think I knew what I was getting into. I didn't realize how hard it would be to make a living treating adults, uh, um, real adults, older adults um, with uh, you know, highly worn, highly restored dentitions that require interdisciplinary care, uh, require a lot of time. You put a lot of time in upfront. With the consultations, with uh, you know the planning, with other professionals, the prosthodontist, the periodontist, the GP, um, and it's hard to you know at first it's hard to work that into your treatment fee. And they're very interested in minimizing the exposure to buckle appliances. They're interested in aligners, or they're interested in you know a, a fixed appliance system that would be placed in the lingual, because they don't they don't want their braces to show. It's natural. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, so absolutely. Chris, Chris, if I could jump in, um, so I know you're in a, 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 fairly competitive area in Seattle. There's no shortage of orthodontists in your area. So, yeah. uh, it sounds like you've developed a, a niche, you know, we're marketers. So when I hear exactly. you speak, you know, it sounds like you've kind of targeted in on a group that would most benefit from, uh, a cosmetic approach to getting their teeth straight. And we have a lot of our clients that have seen that opportunity of growth in the adult population, as well as the move towards a more digital workflow. So I'm particularly interested in how you um, uh, uh, incorporate in-house aligners in your practice. Do you have your own, uh, obviously you have your own printer, but is it one printer, multiple printers? Um, yeah. You know, how much did it cost? Um, just tell me if you're doing well, all of them in-house, some of them, just give us a little background.
0: Yeah. Well, so first, you know, a little bit of background. I, My practice is right on the edge of the Amazon campus and Amazon has attracted other tech companies. So we got Facebook, we got Google, we got various tech companies um, and Amazon down here. So it's, it's a little bit more diverse, but It's all adults. Frequently, they have a lot of dental need. When they come to see me, they don't have a dentist. I make more referrals to dentists, it seems, than than I get in. And these tech workers, they tend to stay for a couple of years and move on. So I'm kind of an extreme example, but it is a niche. Um, uh, 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 Lingual orthodontics is a niche, um, for sure. And there's a high demand for it in an urban area. So it's not something that can be, you know, this learning curve is steep, and um, and so I think it's a it's a fairly secure niche as uh, the marketplace is changing a lot lately in terms of uh, incorporating in-house aligners. Well, the reason I went from forty percent lingual to seventy-five percent lingual was the ability to do cost-effective hybrid treatment. So I'll give you one example. If you're doing lingual orthodontics, lower interior crowding is very inefficient uh, with lingual fixed appliances. Inner bracket distance is, um, is a problem. You don't have access to the lingual surfaces of the teeth. Um, there are some uh, mechanical issues. Uh, so what you can do, especially in an extraction case, is you can, level, you can align the teeth, initially align the teeth and use the extraction space, and close that up with clear aligners. Right? and get access to the lingual surfaces of the teeth. And then you transition to your lingual fixed because you aren't going to be able to finish the case in terms of angulation changes and incisal gingival movements with your clear liners. There are some limitations there, but they're great at you know, resolving crowding. And so all of a sudden, these cases that I was you know, hesitant to do, or I would put buckle in the lower and lingual in the upper, all of a sudden became very doable with lingual appliances and my, my practice exploded. Um, and I have to answer your question about printers. I have nine 3D printers right now, um, and we use them for different things. Some of the printers are we have DLP printers that we use for our in house aligners, um, we have some other printers that we're using for think, creating our, our indirect trays um, uh, for bracket placement.
2: Yeah, so I, I know a lot of our clients are using. Uh, aligners, oftentimes to to get the braces off and 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 finish their cases in a in a you know combination style like that. Uh, but it sounds like you're starting them off with aligners and then moving towards lingual to finish the case.
0: Well, not always, but that's one scenario I gave you. Right, those are cases mm-hmm. that would have been more difficult to treat if the patient didn't want anything on the outside of their teeth. That would be a case that would tend to go a little longer, because it's hard to level align those lower interiors with lingual if you're forced to do that. But now you can keep the treatment time down. You can efficiently level, you know, get access to the lingual surface of the teeth, do the initial alignment, and, and so you can you can keep your lingual time treatment time the same as your buckle treatment time. It's still an efficient way to do it. Now the problem in the past has been fees. You're not going to pay, you know, Invisalign eighteen hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars and then you're gonna pay whoever's doing your uh, lingual custom appliance system, you'll have four or $5,000 in lab fees, right? It's cost prohibitive for most of your patients. But if you're doing, if you bring that workflow in house, now you're controlling the workflow, you're controlling the quality, and you can do it at a reasonable price point, a very reasonable price point. The software I'm using is Element, well, it used to be Elementrix, sure Smile. now it's owned by Dentsply. Um, and the, the nice thing about that software for me is I use it to do my almost all of my linguals done with uh, the SureSmile. Um, but you can coordinate on one software platform, you can coordinate your aligners and your lingual, which is nice.
1: I wanted to ask about um, you know, we talked about the fact that this is a real differentiator for your practice um, and that you have a real niche. It, how do you market that? Or how do you attract new patients? How do you differentiate yourself you know, to, to non-patients, those that really would benefit from seeing you?
0: Yeah, I used to work really hard at marketing to try to get kids in my downtown practice. <laughs> I, I didn't accept what I was, an adult orthodontist. Um, and, and so I finally, you know, a, a few years back, I finally accepted that I'm gonna be treating adults down here. If you want to treat kids, I should probably go out to the suburbs and treat kids, but downtown, I'm going to be treating adults, stop trying to get people to drive their kids downtown. Um, I don't do a lot of marketing, honestly. It markets itself. A lot of my patients are Asian. They're on Asian, uh, there's Asian social uh, networking platforms that I have never heard of, you've never heard of. Um, They're all in, in Chinese um that's one example they find me through these these um um, social networks of course amazon Mm -hmm. facebook google they all have internal boards um and so um it's i don't do a lot of direct marketing to these patients Mm -hmm. they find me so digital word of mouth essentially it is digital word of mouth um and and these patients um they the patients that want lingual orthodontics, they tend to really seek it out. They're looking, they do a lot of research. They come in here a lot of times knowing a lot about the different products. Now there are, you know, that's a, still a minority of the patients. It's not, you know, maybe it's 20 or 30% of the patients. Most patients come in here and haven't heard of lingual orthodontics. So they come in, they want clear aligners, right? And they're thinking they're gonna get clear aligners. And, and many times, sometimes they do. But you can imagine if you've got a gingival balance problem and you're going to try to level the gingival balance on a on a interdisciplinary treatment, that's very difficult to do with clear aligners. Basically impossible. Um, and so once you explain to them, you got to take some time and explain that you want to use the right tool for the right job. Um, maybe clear aligners can be part of the solution, um, but you know we're going to need some fixed appliances. Then they have the choice between buckle and lingual, and it's. Very little choice, they, they always choose the lingual. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, a, another large percentage of my patients come from retreats, link, uh, clear aligner retreats. They're, the more clear aligners orthodontists do and general dentists do, the, the more patients I get, it seems. I have a Candico right across the street. And um, I'm busier than ever. I'll bet you it's 20% of my patients are clear liner retreats. They're either people who didn't like wearing the liners, didn't wear them very well. That's not that many. Most of them wear them pretty well. Um, But they're not happy with the results for various reasons. Hmm. And it's because orthodontists are pressing the envelope of what can be done with clear liners. It's the only tool in their toolbox. So frequently, they're modifying their, their treatment objectives and rather than changing the tool, which is, you know, some patients that's gonna be fine, other patients wanted the ideal result.
2: Well, you know, I I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, There is gotta be a balance. And what we found is that um, both um, convenience, cost and aesthetics are what's driving the market right now. And uh, as a result, you need to be able to address these issues with something that is uh, cosmetically appealing to the patients. So I think having lingual and having aligners in your tool chest really gives you the, all of the marketing tools and all of the clinical tools to get the result that you want to get and still satisfy you know, the appetite of, of the patient. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you will, you part you of the on podcast, You
0: hit on one point ahead. that's really important, convenience. I think there's a perception out there by orthodontists that people go to Candico and Smile Direct Club because of cost. And at least where I live, cost is not the factor. These people have a lot of money and they go for convenience. Now, there may be places in the country where people are choosing that option for cost, but it's certainly not here. And you have to think about that for practice, for sure. You have to make your practice accessible to these people. Because they, they want convenience. They want to minimize the appointments. They want hours that are you know workable. It's a lot better since the shutdown because everybody's working from home. But that's a huge part yep. of it.
2: Yeah, you hear that out there, listeners, or those out there? <laughs> I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, where Amy and I, where I mean, we've been talking with our, you know, our clients about how important it is to provide that and um, you know, there, there are various tools and technologies to um, mm-hmm. help to, uh, to achieve those goals. So, part of the podcast is an opportunity for a caller to ask a question. So, if you don't mind, we, we have uh, a caller and we'll um, ask you a question and then you could respond directly. My name is Dr. John Grubb. I'm a retired ABO certified orthodontist and I live with my wife in San Diego, California. My question is, with the rapidly increasing orthodontic office overhead costs, particularly being paid to large orthodontic suppliers for liner staging and construction, would the AAO consider developing a technology division to create this needed software and other softwares and technologies charging appropriate fees for use to assist all active dues paying AAO members ADA approved orthodontic residency programs and active members of the World Federation of Orthodontists.
0: Well, it sounds like Jen Grubb read my um, editorial, James Vaden and myself uh, from uh, September 2021, last September, that uh, talked about this issue a little bit. Um, Well, you'll notice what in my practice, I'm heavily software dependent. And I think more and more, um, orthodontists are software dependent. And, um, and it's not just aligners and lingual. I mean, a lot of these adult patients, they have, they're have highly restored dentitions. If I'm gonna bond a lingual bracket, how do I bond that to a gold crown? How do I bond that to a you know, porcelain-fused to metal crown or amalgam? Uh, and the way I do that is I create custom brackets. I print them in chrome cobalt, right? And and so we're doing printing not just of resin. We're doing printing of metal, and um, we're integrating our uh, fixed system with our uh, aligner system in this practice. This is all software dependent, and you know my software costs are significant. But I think we all have significant software costs now. I can't imagine a, a, a heavily uh, a heavy Invisalign practice. I can't imagine what their monthly uh, lab bills to Invisalign, but it's, you know, I'm just gotta be thirty, forty thousand $40,000 for many many of us or more. Um, and so, yeah, if you, I, I urge people to take a look at that editorial, H-A-O-D-O, September, 2021. It talks about some of the issues I think that we're facing with these corporations and, um, and some of the opportunities we have. I mean, digital orthodontics presents our profession with a huge opportunity. Um, 3D printing and, and digital design. Uh, it used to be you had to have a multi-building facility uh, to produce brackets or custom appliances. I visited 3M's facility for Incognito in Essen, Germany. It's a multi-building facility, 150 employees are producing incognito, you know, lingual braces. Again, you can produce, I have produced exactly a, a fully, integrated prescription metal lingual appliance with a concept printer. It's a metal printer. It's three feet by three feet by about five feet. You can put it in your office, right? It's expensive now. It's a $150,000 piece of equipment, but those prices are coming down. And you'll see other companies that are printing brackets, printing ceramic brackets, ceramic infused resin brackets, right? You got Lightforce, you have uh, Braces on Demand. There are a couple companies in Asia now printing brackets. These are all software dependent, right? Some of these companies are printing uh, zero prescription brackets. Some of them are, are integrating the, you know, patient-specific prescription into the brackets. And so this, this technology presents us with the ability to control our own workflow. Instead of being, if you read this editorial, all the different ways we're at the mercy of these these companies doesn't mean we have to do everything in-house, but we will, you know, if we follow through developing uh, our own software. And that's what's proposed in this, in this editorial, is that I was proposing that it, uh, an association like the AAO develop staging software for the use of the membership. And more than just the use of the membership, the use of any educationally qualified orthodontist worldwide who's a member of Organized Orthodontics. Um, You know, it it would be a game changer. Let's say $100 a month for all the staging you can do. That would change the third world. In a country like Nepal, a fixed appliance treatment is $600, the whole treatment fee uh, for buckle. For lingual, it might be $900. For clear aligners, it's $2,000. Why? Software cost. And so for $100 a month, if you could, for $100 a month, stage all the aligners you needed, that would be a game changer for most of us. Can you imagine getting rid of your uh, aligner bill? Now it's a lot of work to stage and print and manufacture your aligners. You don't have to do that work in-house. You would have the option to maybe stage with the software, download the STLs and print at a local lab, and manufacture at a local lab. The point is we'd have control over our workflow.
2: Wow, well, there, there's a lot to unpack there, and it's a short uh, it podcast uh, for sure. Um, but you know, a couple of things jump out at me. Uh, one is, what's the likelihood of the AAA going into a technology business realistically, um, in terms of? I, developing I think it's a tough this? sell
0: to them. It's it's a it's a paradigm shift for them to start thinking about the mm-hmm. way they operate. We would have to start thinking of you know ourselves in the AAO as more of a, a guild more of an organization to you know to support our practices and our and our patients um rather than just running ads and doing some uh um some lobbying to politicians and the, the advantage though of starting out with some liner staging software is i think it would pay for itself more than pay for itself very quickly but it it gets the big toe, the AAO's big toe in the software development business, right? And so once you know how to develop software, then we don't. They're positioning themselves to address the needs of the profession into the future. We don't know what those needs are going to be. Maybe they're going to be, you know, fixed appliance design and printing. We don't know. The point is they will have the ability to develop software. That another huge point is. We are the only ones not collecting our data. Insurance companies are all collecting our data. All these other manufacturing companies are collecting data. Invisalign's collecting data. 3M's collecting data. Everybody's collecting data, but us. For right, and we're the data is power. And there's there's many reasons why that's true. I mean, you just think about uh, when you do a typical adult treatment, you're you're rarely getting an ideal result. These these occlusions are highly worn and, and uh, highly restored. So, you, you and, and frequently people don't want surgery, so you're treating to some compromise. Well, when you get done, you, you look at the result, you wonder, do I suck or am I great? You don't know, right? <laughs> what do you compare it to? But with something, with data, you could actually have a registry of patients. We'd have the knowledge, we, we'd be able to compare. You would know, if this result is typical, you know, are you in the ninetieth percentile of orthodontists or the tenth percentile? And then if you're in the tenth percentile, what were what were you doing different than the people who are the ninetieth percentile? Well, it takes data to answer those questions. And on a more population level, we'd find out we'd have real evidence based care in terms of what works and what doesn't work for our patients. But you gotta begin to yeah. you gotta begin to collect data to do that. Right, and, and, and this would be a first step. So, you know, I don't see the staging software, that's a, you know, it's a large benefit, but it isn't the, the real benefit. The real benefit is having the AAO in the software development business and collecting data, manipulating data, storing data, interacting with us with the data.
2: Well, you know, that's a whole other discussion, the data aspect of it, because there's no argument yes. there, data is power. And, and, and that's something that uh, we are not collecting. But, you know, in, in, in the relative short term, most orthodontists are not going to be printing their own brackets generally. They're going to wow. be using Lightforce or some, um, some third party. And in terms We're of great. aligners, there are, there are, you know, the, the, if you go with the leading brand, for example, it's, it's prohibitive to treat some of the uh, more limited or easier cases. So it seems like it may not be that expensive really to shop it out. For example, I know uh, with ULab, they don't charge you for the software, and I think it's $2.50 an Arch uh, to export an STL file. So you could basically do a six-month case for around $100 or $120. It's not prohibitively expensive, so you know the cost thing, I'm not sure about, but the data thing—that you know—that that's a that's a significant uh, long-term question, particularly with artificial intelligence, and you know uh, we, we 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 definitely are, are abdicating that aspect of it.
0: Yeah, well, you guess you have to see, you have to think about how fast the profession is changing. It, if you think about back in 2000 or 2001, two and three when Invisalign came out, to, to think about how hard it would have been for an orthodontist to create aligners in house, right? 3D printers, you had to have, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars for 3D printers. There was no digital technology available to scan your patient. Um, it would have been an unthinkable job to try to plan a comprehensive, a liner case in-house and now it's not a problem um, and, and it's going to be the same way with many of these other appliance systems and technologies technologies we haven't even thought of yet but they're all going to be software dependent so my point is we should be involved and in, and in, in have the ability to create the software as a profession it's just software and and that will lead us to have the ability to collect data. Um, If you think it's gonna be difficult to create staging software, you just look at a few examples. There's a practice out of uh, a new grad out of UCSF, Uniform Aligners, I think they have uh, offices in uh, San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago. They developed their own staging software. A new grad from UCSF can do it, but they all cannot. You look at ArchForm, it was developed in the, you know, it's Andrew Martz, the son of an orthodontist. Develop that in his garage, figuratively. Um, There's a ton of software out there. You don't have to write your own. You could fork existing software. In other words, you buy a copy and develop it independently. You don't have to buy the software from them. They can continue to use their software. You put a new splash page on it. You continue to develop it. They diverge uh, over time. So there's lots of options to acquire the software.
1: It's a really interesting thought that you bring up. And I think especially, um, you know, as the AAO looks to reshape itself and continually provide support to its members um, and stay relevant. Um, I, I agree Sadly. that looking into the business of orthodontics and beyond just, um, you know, global advertising would, would, would suit it well if it's going to stay relevant.
0: I mean, that's a huge value right you you're a member you get access to staging software
1: and there's probably you know uh just on the topic of expanding the aao's involvement in in the business of orthodontics there's probably more as well that it could do to diversify its offerings to members and make it more attractive um software being one of them so it's a good point that you bring up so Listen, this has been a super informative conversation. I think that we have a lot actually more to discuss as it relates to data and the power of data. And we'd love to be able to have you back on to explore some of these topics a little deeper if you'll join us because we've enjoyed talking to you today. And I think our listeners are learning a lot and certainly have been given a lot to think about.
0: Yeah, well, the profession is changing rapidly. I can't, you know, I, when I graduated in 95, I wouldn't even be able to practice in my practice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue.
1: And that's a, an even, even additional topic to talk about how we circle all this back into the orthodontic educational system. And I know that my dad's, uh, you know, focused on that too. So, so listen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we, if, if our listeners would like to contact you directly, how best to do that?
0: Well, my email is Criolo, C-R-I-O-L-O, at umich.edu. I still have my dental school email. Criolo at umich.edu.
1: Perfect. Thanks, Dr. Riolo. It's good to talk with you today. We look forward to talking with you again soon.
0: Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot.
1: You can subscribe or download other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and now YouTube where you can see our faces or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate you telling a colleague. For more information about people in practice, you can sign up for our free marketing newsletter on our website at pplpractice.com.
2: Yep, thanks for watching and or listening. If you want to contact me directly, my email is leon at pplpractice.com. And most importantly, remember, for forward-thinking orthos, it's never been a better time to be an orthodontist. We are currently in the golden age. Take advantage of it. Until next
0: time, so long. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at the Survival Guide for Orthodontists.com.